It's Friday, and we're going to wrap up guest week by having you as a guest. We'll answer your questions on this mailbag edition of Locked On Nuggets. You are Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making this part of your day and being a first-time and everyday listener, if you're such a thing. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. If you're an everydayer, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us every single day. We are available on all platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube, where you can catch a live version of the show. Just turn on notifications, hit the subscribe button. If you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube, we appreciate you giving us a like. Make sure to send the show to somebody that you know that enjoys the Nuggets, that's a fan, that wants to learn more about the Nuggets. We appreciate all you guys' support. It's Friday. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer of the Action Network. I'm one of the hosts on Locked On NBA as well. You can catch that with me and David Rimmel every Tuesday. Adam is on uh, on Fridays with Wes Goldberg. Wrapping up guest week, and guest week is going to conclude with uh, you guys. My thanks to all our guests this week, from Katie Wingy to Zach Bai, Vinny Benedetto, and Jenna Garcia. Uh, probably, I'm looking to have one more guest on on Sunday. We'll see if I can get that one worked out. And then I am out next week. I am going uh, out to the mountains, going to Breckenridge and up to Glenwood Springs for a few days with the family. Adam Mares will be back with you on Tuesday. I know that he's itching to get some takes off as well with a couple of uh, very hard-earned days off for Adam. I appreciate all the support this week. Appreciate you guys hanging out with me. We did get some questions. I want you, if you're in the chat right now and you're somebody like Tommy or Sunny or Hurricane or Ravon or Tyler or whoever, hit me with questions because this is going to be a mailbag edition of the show today. You have already gotten some over on the old Twitters. So I'm going to go ahead and hit those up, starting with a few about Michael Porter Jr. Garrett Rice hit me up and asked, Will MPJ live up to his contract or will he be moved out of Denver over the next few years? He was pretty good the first three rounds and not great in the finals, but I feel he'll have to be better with the Nuggets, losing some depth this offseason if they want another chip. Um, as well as I got asked um, somebody else about MPJ just in general being like the question of how what how much better can MPJ be this season? Mudrio Block asked that as well. So let's talk a little bit about MPJ. Um I think MPJ is in a tough spot, to be perfectly honest with you. And the reason I think he's in a tough spot is on top of all the injury stuff, which obviously sets the table for his entire career, is he's got to battle back and he's got to manage that. And the, the coaches and the staff and the training staff have to manage that as well. Like you always have to be cognizant of his back injury, of what that means for his career, of how likely it is that his career will be shorter because of those injuries. Like it's just very likely. It's hard to have that many back surgeries and have a long career. He did everything that was asked of him last year. And it would have been great to see him knock down a few shots in the finals in those last couple of games, have a big performance instead of leaving the season with kind of like that was the last image of him because he really was fantastic throughout that run. After game one of the finals, everyone was talking about like, wow, look at what all these things that MPJ did. Look at all these plays MPJ made. And the shot just never really got home for him. And it definitely got in his head a little bit. And he was frustrated. He has sacrificed more than anybody else, I think, on the Nuggets. I think he sacrificed more than Jamal. I think he sacrificed more than Aaron. I think he sacrificed more than Bruce Brown. I think he sacrificed more than Nicola. I think he sacrificed more than anybody else on the squad in terms of doing things that are outside of his comfort zone and that do not directly 
benefit his long-term earning potential in the NBA role players like he, like him, like the player that he was this year do not get paid the way that guys of his talent are capable of getting paid by just putting up numbers. There's a lot of optimism that I hear from fans about, you know, he's going to be better next year because it's a year removed from the injury. That's, that's going to help him and he should be able to do these things. I, my, my problem and my hesitation with saying that MPJ is going to have a huge year is mostly that the things that he's going to have to add, which is mostly on ball driving and creating off of the bounce are things that have eluded him for a number of reasons, whether it was the injuries kind of taken away some of the athleticism or the way that teams defended him, his role in the offense a lot of this is that he just needs reps. Like he needs game reps with the ball in his hands. And I've been pretty critical of the coaching staff and I'll continue to be of, they don't do a game by game, long-term stretches of the season of the second unit is going to run through Mike. He gets certain games and certain spots where they give him like, we talked about it on the show. I've talked about it on Twitter about like, Hey, they gave MPJ a post up. That's good. But he needs a consistent diversity to figure out his own spots, his own moves, his own capabilities, because he is such a gifted pull-up shooter that sometimes he just kind of defaults to that. And he's got to be able to evolve into how to get to his spots. I don't even know where his spots are on the floor other than the corners as a spot-up weapon. Like, I don't know. I think that his handle could probably use work. Like, we've talked about the hands before. I remember the issue being a long time of, like, him trying to be a lob target. They've thankfully kind of gone away from that. He's no longer a lob target. Um, But I do think that he needs, like, a steady diet of him running with the second unit, and being the guy that they go to. The problem is that with Reggie Jackson as the backup point guard, there will be games where Malone is going to stagger Jamal with that second unit because Reggie is not playing well, and the only alternative is going to be Jalen or Colin Gillespie. And I think it's fair for Malone to have at least a little reservation about he- about heavily relying on those guys. Giving them minutes, sure, but like, Hey, second rounder, you're our backup point guard. Like that could be problematic if either Jamal's hurt, Reggie's hurt, or the combo isn't working with Reggie. So if Jamal's on the floor, it's hard for Jamal and MPJ. Jamal, I thought, did a much better job of finding MPJ as the playoffs went on, but they do not have a synergistic game. Like those two do not play off of one another. Aaron and Jamal, I think, have a better combo but Jamal and MPJ still have a lot of awkwardness in terms of how to run the offense together. Tyler says, I feel like Mike still has a ton of room for growth. The injuries have stunted his progression. This will be the first really healthy off season to grow his game. Yeah, maybe, but I have some concerns in terms of like how that will wind up um, working out over the long term. Um. There's a lot of questions about trading him. That was like a a thing that continues to be mentioned. I'll I'll say this. I think 
there is an argument from that you could make that the money that they've spent on MPJ could be distributed to several players to improve their depth and might be worth it provided you can find a replacement shooter at 40% or better. Those do not grow on trees. Like wings that can shoot and defend are the most valuable thing in the NBA and teams stock up on them. So you have some teams that have tons of them and some teams that don't have any. And so if you were to do any sort of trade, you would have to know for a fact that you have a 40% or better replacement shooter and even then you'd be giving up a lot in terms of overall player value with mpj because it's possible that mpj develops over the next three seasons and looks like a superstar like that's entirely possible i don't know how possible that is in denver because of jamal has to have the ball and obviously nicole is going to have the ball and even to a more nuanced point when you play around Nicola, the goal is for everyone to touch the ball. And MPJ might be best in situations where you're spamming some of the action a little bit, where he's getting a high amount of usage, where he's able to really spread and learn and grow and kind of dictate some of the things on his terms. And those are hard spots, I think, to find. Um, so trading him might be the most direct path to improving the depth of the Nuggets. But you would the odds of you getting players that still in the aggregate would be a plus over MPJ, especially given what the numbers have shown consistently. And especially in the playoffs of how good the team is when Mike's on the floor, when Mike was on the floor in the playoffs, the nuggets absolutely destroyed teams. Like that was a consistent trend was that when MPJ was on the court, teams had no way to match up because they had to respect the spacing and they absolutely annihilated. Mike was a plus 9.7, same as Nicola. Uh, Jamal was plus 10, and Aaron Gordon was plus 12. The fact that MPJ played as much as he did with the bench and had... He played more in, in games where they were struggling offensively because he needed to help lift that, that boat, right? Need to be the tie that lifted. it. That has to play a factor in how we kind of talk about this. Uh, on the other side, we'll talk a little bit more about some of your questions we'll get into some questions about the young guys as well as uh just j some more of your questions here on the other side but first i need to tell you about fanduel sportsbook take your first swing at betting mlb on fanduel and get 10 times your first bet amount and bonus bets up to 200 that's right just bet 20 bucks and you'll land 200 in bonus bets win or lose that's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who you think is going to have the first home run all on app that's safe secure and super easy to use Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. You can bet Michael Porter Jr. for most improved player next year if you want. Uh, there's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. We'll be right back on Locked on Nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets, thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Friday as we wrap up guest week with you being the guest today as I'll answer your questions here on the mailbag. Um, appreciate all the support this week. Really, uh, it's been really kind of everybody this week. Uh, Michael Shields asked a question on Twitter, mailbag question. How do you think the Nuggets will handle the target on their backs in the regular season that comes with being 
champs. Matthew Kimura asked, how many teams do you think will get 50 or more wins next season? So those, I think those questions are actually kind of tied. Uh, I will say, I think the Nuggets will be a little surprised at the effort that they will see from teams, given how good they are now. Um, teams will circle them as like, taking out the champs, especially on the road. The Nuggets were not a great road team this season. They were one of the first teams in NBA history. I believe they were the first team that I, I was able to track that won the NBA championship with a uh, sub-500 road record. So, you know, not a great road team last year, and there's a good chance that they might be worse this season, especially with teams getting up for him them a little bit more. What I don't know is how teams will get up for them when they're when the Nuggets are at home. If you're on that back-to-back, right? If it's either the Utah-Denver double altitude or if you're coming off of a California road trip and you have to face the Nuggets in Denver on a back-to-back, which oftentimes the league is forced to do because they're like, look, you're at the end of the road trip. This flight is on the way back. We're just going to have you stop, play Denver, and then keep on your way. If Denver has a high number of home back to opponents on a back-to-back, I don't know what that's going to look like in terms of the effort. Do teams give up the Jazz game or the – they're not going to give up the Lakers game. Do they give up the Kings game and then try and get the Nuggets game? A lot of times teams will do the opposite where it's like they'll take the easier win versus the Kings, even though the Kings are good now. Um, the Kings or the Thunder or any of these other teams, the Blazers now, especially because there's a lot of teams that do Portland, Denver on the way back. They'll take that easier game and then sit guys versus the hard team in Denver. I don't know what that's going to look like, but I do know that Denver will get a much better effort every single year. Uh, now that they are the champions, they will be circled in a way that they weren't before. So I think it's important to kind of keep in mind uh, that Denver, another reason why I think Denver is probably going to go under their win total next season of 54 and a half is because I do think that there will be a higher level of effort from opponents and a lower level of effort from Denver who doesn't really have anything left to prove as far as the regular season goes. Um couple more questions. Mudry asked, what's Zeke's future with the team? Will he be traded or re-signed? This is an interesting one. So, okay, here's what I'll say when it comes to Zeke. Um, He's still on the roster, right? And to me, he's a bench player on the roster that's not a rookie. So the odds of him playing more are significant. I will tell you that I do not get the sense that there's like a, that there is as much buzz for him as there was under Tim Conley. Like Tim Conley, I think really believed in Zeke Naji and was like, he's going to be a good guy. He's going to be a good player. You know, we, we need like, we should re- commit resources and time to him. He can be a player. I don't know how the current regime necessarily feels about Zeke. I think that they also are a little bit more prone to having kind of an attitude of there are guys on this roster that are just guys. And I wonder if Zeke might just be a guy. As in like, hey, you know, if he pops, if he shows up, great. You know, if not, like, okay, we'll get how many minutes we can from him. I don't necessarily feel like this is a big, you know, for years it's kind of been the Zeke Najee. This is the Zeke Najee year. There's been like two seasons of that. And I think that maybe that window has passed. And that's not entirely fair. I think most of Zeke's problems have been injury. I think that every time that Zeke starts to get into a into a rhythm and into a rotation, he gets injured. At the same time, if you're Michael Malone or if you're really any coach in the NBA and you got a guy that, yeah, he plays pretty well when he when he's available, but he's just never available, having to deal with the fact of, I play him because he's good, he goes out, we're without him, we have to learn to play without him, he comes back, we have to learn to play with him, like that cycle over and over again tends to bother coaches no matter really who you are. 
And so Zeke hasn't been so good as to like command his spot back. And that continues to be an issue. Now, do I think it's possible that with another year of, of strength and conditioning and that he just gets healthy because a lot of times guys are injury prone early and they're just not later. Um, and then they kind of can be later. They, they can even later, they can be back to being injury prone. Bradley Beal is who I'm talking about here. He was very injury prone early in his career, went through like four or five years where it was like, no, Bradley Beal's like over his injury issues. He's fine now. And now he's back to basically missing the end of every single season. Um, Zamora mentions that the Nuggets also messed up his shot. Um, I don't know if that was, if that was the Nuggets or if that was an, a consultant. I don't know who that was just to be clear. Um, but yes, the shot definitely looks different. And so I think that that's a real issue. Um, Rayvon says, I don't believe in Zeke as a five. Neither do I be perfectly honest with you. The rebounding numbers have been fine because quite honestly, like whenever Jeff's on the floor, the rebounding is pretty bad compared to when other guys are on the court. Um, I think Zeke will struggle versus certain big lineups. Like Zeke had a lot of problems versus the Cavs. Like it's an issue. Like Zeke will struggle versus teams that play their bigs with the bench. Like think about what the Wolves did where they either staggered or played uh, Towns and Gobert together in the second unit in the non-Jokic minutes. Those are spots where I worry about Zeke at the five. And I think that continues to kind of be an issue that you have to kind of manage um, as this kind of goes along. Um, Tyler says, what are the chances that Nikola plays at like 65% most of the season as long as it keeps the team in a top six seed? Now that the team has proven they can turn it on, I feel the effort may be low. So I, I am... Like I've, I've put my money where my mouth is and I've bet the under on the nuggets. It was the first bet that I made under 54 and a half. I have them projected at about 49 and a half around 50 wins. Uh, and that's not, shouldn't be a, like really surprising. That's about where they were last season. I bumped them up for the playoff performance. I bumped them back down for losing Bruce Brown and Jeff green, even though Jeff was a minus in terms of the plus minus stuff. It's just like, it's a body, right? Um, I am of the opinion, though, that there are these times when I'm like, surely this team will regress, and instead they're way better. Uh, the 2015 Warriors were a great example of this. Like, won the title, and everyone's like, oh, what a cool story. That's great. And then they came out next season, they won 22 in a row, and they were the best team in the NBA, and the best team in NBA history until really game five of the finals. And then you know what happened. Um the Celtics last year is another good example where they go to the finals and they come back and it's like, okay, they had this really crazy run from January through June, but what are they going to look like this year, especially with their Doka out? And instead they were better. Like they got, because their offense was crazy hot for a while. I don't think last year's team was better than the team before, but the record was. And so like, they just won more games. Um, there are other examples of this, of teams that, that are able to find a championship rhythm and just kind of manage their way through it. And the nuggets may honestly be able to rely on that continuity and that chemistry enough to just go along at a 55 win clip that they don't push for 60, 60 is where it's like, you have to be kind of gunning for it. Anything above like 57 and you are into either things went exceptionally right for you in all of your close games or um, you got, you just decided to push really hard for it. Um, so in general, um, I think that there's like a real push here in terms of what they're going to be capable of that it, it, it is possible that the nuggets come out and they absolutely just whip ass through the right first part of the schedule. I'll be very interested to see when the schedule hits here in about three weeks about what does it look like? Do they have a, if they're home heavy to start, that can get them a lead 
and then they can kind of coast out. If it's home heavy in the back half of the schedule, that can be tough. You can, if you are already good enough, you can manage a schedule the rest of the way. It's why the Nuggets getting off to a good start despite not playing great last season was actually really big for them because it meant that they'd already built kind of like, a, all right, we're good, we're, we're good here. And then they, they got the home stretch and they absolutely just destroyed for two months. Um, I want to, I want to kind of come on, on this. Cause I think it's an interesting question before we take a break. I feel like the diminished Ted says, I feel like the diminished win total uh, should be less about Bruce and Jeff and more about the West just getting really strong. And Tyson saying the West is also going to be downright brutal next season. I don't know that that's true, Ted. Uh, and the reason you know, Ted says our division is objectively going to be better even with Portland going down the toilet. Yeah, I think so. I think Utah's being underrated. They have Lori Markkinen and John Collins, and Colin Sexton actually had a really good season last year. And they got Walker Kessler, and Will Hardy's a really good coach, and they had some depth. But they're also young, so the Jazz are younger than they were last season, and that usually winds up impacting win total stuff. The Wolves, I think, will be better. I do think that they're going to be good. I bet they're over at 44.5 the minute it came out. I think they'll be much better than people expect. I think Denver fans won't be surprised by that because most Denver fans have a pretty healthy respect for how that Wolves team pushed Denver last year in a five-game series because that's how dominant Denver was, is that a five-game series was actually pretty impressive from somebody. Um, and then, like, OKC is going to be good. But OKC, again, is very young. Like, they have so many options, but they don't – they didn't add, like – they didn't go out and add, like, a veteran shooter and a veteran center and a veteran – like, it's still, like, a bunch of young guys that are learning their way through the NBA. So, I don't know that the division is that much better. I don't know what the Suns are going to look like. If the Nuggets play the Suns four times, I expect them to split 2-2. If the Nuggets face the Lakers four times, I expect the Nuggets to win 3-1. If they face the Warriors three four times, I expect them to win 3-1, depending on how much they get up for these games and if they're on a back-to-back, -back, right? Because you would assume that Denver will still get up for the big marquee games. I think the issue is going to be the aggregate. Like, the margins are just closer. Some of the games that went their way last year, maybe they don't go their way this time. Uh, and that kind of takes a knockout of some of that on the other side. We'll get to some questions about the rotation, including a question that was asked on DMVR today about PWAP being a lock for the rotation. We'll talk about that. Uh, and we'll hit some more of your questions as we wrap up here on the mailbag edition on a Friday of locked on nuggets. Back here on Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining us and making us part of your day. Appreciate you guys being with us on a Friday, going through a mailbag with you, our final guest on Guest Week. Uh, Leo Clayman asked a question that was actually asked on DMVR today. Make sure to go check out the DMVR show as well. It was uh, D-Line and Harrison today, so you should go check that out. Leo says, Matt, who do you think is the opening day rotation with the starters? Is P. Wada Lock? Is Tyson? I think it's going to be solid in camp. I think that you can look great in summer league, and then you can get into training camp and – the look like you don't belong with NBA rotation guys. And so I'm not sure that, that I'm not saying that that's going to happen. Tyson may come in and be like, Hey, you know what? Hunter Tyson's been, been absolutely incredible in, in camp and he's going to be in the rotation. Like if Malone comes out day one of camp and is like asked who is impressed. And he's, if he says like Hunter Tyson, like Hunter Tyson led the second unit, our starters were bad. And Hunter Tyson was really good for the second unit. Then that changes things. I honestly, uh, the only, the only player I will say that I think is a, the only two players I think are a lock for the bench are Reggie Jackson because they paid him 
and and he has experience and and Christian Brown. That's it. I don't know that Peyton Watson, Hunter Tyson, Jalen Pickett, Jillian Strother, Zeke Naji, Vlaco Chanchar, any of those guys are locks in the rotation. I think the training camp is going to decide a lot of it. Like who comes in and who looks good. I think if Vlaco comes in and just looks like, no, you know what? Vlaco's like a seasoned NBA player. He's like the best guy that we have right now. I think there's a very good chance that Vlaco winds up at the four, at the backup four. I could definitely see that happening with like the five still being a, if we need DeAndre, we'll go DeAndre. If we need Zeke, we'll go Zeke. Like I could still see that happening. I know nobody wants to hear that, but they're not doing the small ball five with Aaron Gordon throughout the regular season. They're not going to do that. So until it becomes clear that they need to go get a Thomas Bryant type, which that did not work, but until they becomes clear, they got to try and get that guy until it's so bad. Uh, you know, I think that there's a chance that that's, that's kind of how it will look. I think training camp is going to have an open battle for spots eight, nine, 10. I think that those spots are all going to be open. And I think honestly that, and there's a chance that none of those guys look great in training camp or there are injuries that complicate it. And that Malone just winds up being like, I guess we'll figure it out. I'm just going to have to play a bunch of guys early and see what works. Um, the, the, the Vlaco Zeke Naji thing did work last year. We'll see if it works this year. We'll, we'll just see. Um, so Zamora asked, do you think come playoff time, if any of the rookies will crack the rotation? If so, which I'm not going to overreact to the summer league. So I'm not going to say Hunter Tyson. It's easy to say that after he looks so good, but uh, I mean, Jalen Pickett, I think is the obvious one here where if Reggie just still doesn't fit and they move off of him at the deadline and Jalen Pickett looks like, no, no, no. Like he's, He's 24. He's stable. He knows how to run the offense. He fits. The guys like him. If that's the case, then I can see Jalen Pickett being a rotation guy. Uh, defense, I think, is going to decide a lot of that. I will say that that's a big key here. The young guys that get playing time under Malone are able to defend. That's a big key to understand how Malone treats rookies is that you have to be able to showcase either a skill that they need, and in Bones's case, it was the ability to run point and just like provide scoring for a bench unit that couldn't, or you need to be a good defender. Uh, RJ Hampton got minutes in the, the gap years because he was able to defend and uh, Christian got minutes last year because he's a good defender. So that's like kind of how it goes is uh, you're going to need to find some guys that are, I, I will continue to say, I think the rotation looks different by the end of the season than it does right now. Uh, there's been this question. Andy Jewett asked this on, on Twitter. Is the bench potentially better? And I, I, what's interesting is I don't think they're better talent wise, whatever you may think about Jeff green, he is physical can shoot athletic and knows how to play. So losing him is a loss. Bruce was really good for them last year. That's a loss. At the same time, the bench was so bad the last two years, it's possible that this is just like a random thing and they're better. Because I've when I look around the league, a lot of the best bench units are about coaching staffs and continuity and like a special combination that exists in a framework of time rather than it is about like any particular player lifting those. Oftentimes the best six men still have negative net ratings because they are scoring because their units cannot. And if they're scoring, they're typically bad defenders because if they were great defenders and scorers, they'd start. Right. So 
there's kind of a balance here. Uh, Robert Darte mentions that bench units are about I, also about identity. Sometimes the one time that we had a decent bench ever, it was a defense unit. It's kind of accurate. Um, so that's kind of like I do think that, that that's that's accurate. Paul N says he wants to see Jay Huff minutes. Entirely possible. We'll say I enjoyed Jay Huff at Summer League. I've enjoyed him the last couple of seasons when I've seen him. Like I think it's a fun ad for them on the on the the, the contract they gave. Um, we'll see if he if it translates to anything. I don't tend to be like. This guy could be really be something just because the end of the guy, end of the bench guys are usually into the bench guys for a reason. And that's always pretty indicative. Um, if Peyton Watson is playing like a significant chunk, chunk of minutes, if he is like the full-time backup three, then that is either that between now and when training camp starts in two months, he works on and polishes up enough for him to be good enough to do that. Or because there is an edict of no matter what, we're going to figure out, like we're going to get P Watt into the rotation. That just may be a collective decision by the front office that is conveyed to the coaching staff and the coaching staff will either agree or not. And then that creates, you know, tension points, but it will probably start with like PWAP being given an opportunity in training camp. I just don't know if it's going to continue all the way through. Um, Ted thinks the bench is way better. I'm high on all three rookies and I'm confident one of them will have a CB-esque impact in the playoffs. I really got to stress how rare that is. Like... It is not common for rookies to impact the in the playoffs that way. It is even more rare for late first round rookies to do so. Like CB was an exception, but he was also a ready made player that was like ready to, to plug in. Like everyone was like, he's he is NBA ready now. Everyone felt good about that from Christian Brown. He was still very much a rookie and he's still bouncing in and out of the rotation for a lot of the year. And he earned his way back in and was in it, and that's good. But a lot of that are things that we can't really predict right now. And so I get wanting to be kind of positive on it. I'm just gonna say that I have a little bit more reservations about it. Uh, Hurricane asks, what's your go-to Wendy's order? Uh, the number six, which is the spicy chicken sandwich with the medium fry. I want to go to Diet Coke. That's amazing. I love this. I think the spicy chicken sandwich from Wendy's is the best on the market outside of Popeye's. That's my personal opinion. Um, somebody mentions, Zamora mentions Kelly Olenek. Oof, boy, yeah, he would be a great fit. I continue to say this would be an amazing get. If they could pry Kelly Olenek free, it would be a big get, I think, for Denver just for shoring up that bench unit full time. Um, Nino asked on Twitter, Joker averaged 41.75 points per game in their playoff losses this year. Will the teams let Joker cook and stop everyone else as a primary strategy against the Nuggets? In the regular season, no. I think because not every team is going to feel like they can hold the defense up enough and the other thing is there are times when you can make the plan like let's you know let joker score and shut down the other guys and you just can't do it like the nuggets do put pressure on you with the way that they cut move and space their offense and there are this is a big key there are so many different mechanisms that you can use Nikola in. And that is what changes things is that he's not just a post-up weapon. He's also a pick and roll threat. He's also a pick and roll ball handler. He's also a guy you can run DHO with. He's also a guy that can, you can cat you, you can run him off of screens and get him on the move. There's so many ways that you can move things. The teams that had success with that strategy and Adam is very big fan of like the uh, chicken or the egg thing where it's like, well, yeah, he's scoring because 
the rest of the team is is playing badly or the defense is is like he needs to score effectively essentially the teams that are able to do that though have like a specific combination of both length athleticism it's not even really size it's length and athleticism and high iq players with a good coaching staff and you're just not going to see that every night even the teams that have those elements won't always be ready for the nuggets because they're either dealing with injuries coming off of a really tough game or on a back-to-back so like that's part of the, what the regular season kind of looks like is you're will you see more of the pj tucker defense the Rui hachimura attempt sure they'll run that more last next year but the Lakers series also, I think, showed everybody that, yeah, you can do that, and it's not going to matter. They're going to solve it. There's not a solve for Nikola Jokic. Um, so I think that that's probably where I land on that. Ben Kasperin asks, how's the MVP race go next year? Great question. Uh, so I'm not going to say Nikola's not going to be in it because I thought he wouldn't be in it the first year, and he was. And I thought he certainly wouldn't be in it the second year, and he was. And I thought, well, there's no way he's going to be in it the third year. And he was, and he probably should have won. Uh, even though I wouldn't have voted for him. I would have voted for Giannis and not Embiid. I would have voted Embiid third. Uh, but I, I think that you kind of have to pencil in Nikola into the, into the top five. The conversation, when we say like the conversation about MVP, that's top five because that's the ballot. Joker will land on the ballot, I feel pretty confident. I don't know that he is going to either push, play it. Like it would, it would make a lot of sense to me that Nikola would target 64 games this season. And the Nuggets probably go under their win total. They're probably not a top two seed in that case. Can they get the third seed with him playing 64 games and then winning 52? Probably. Probably. So I think that that's probably what we'll see happen is like, I don't think Nicola will necessarily play as enough games to qualify next season. I really do think he's going to need some time off. He was, pretty open about his exhaustion last year. So um, that's why I think the FIBA decision is going to be really interesting. Um, uh, my favorite bet for MVP is Shea Gilgis Alexander. There's a couple of interesting things. Guys over 28 don't win it. Nicola's 28 this season. Guys over 28 do not win the award historically. They just do not. It's a combination of injury and just like they have shifted their approach to where they're more focused on the playoffs. And so they don't necessarily go every night or put up the numbers, but historically it's guys between 24 and 28 that that are in competition for MVP. So that's guys like Jason Tatum, um, Che Gildas Alexander, I think will be in that discussion. Luka Doncic will be in that conversation again this season. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how it evolves, but I do think that it's possible we see some new names pop up in the uh, in the entry tactics, especially with what's going on with the Sixers. All right, it's going to wrap it up for Locked On Nuggets. Thanks for joining me on the mailbag episode. I'll be with you one more time on Sunday night. Uh, I will either have a guest or I'll figure out uh, some sort of structure topic for Sunday night. Hope you guys have enjoyed this week. Really appreciate the feedback on guest week. Adam will be back starting on Tuesday of next week. So make sure to tune in for that. Have yourselves a great weekend. Be safe. Enjoy the outdoors. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked on Nuggets.